0: I'm going to throw some names out there, and I want you to let me know if they ring a bell.
1: Okay, I'm listening. Andre. Leon Tally,
0: <laughs> Carlo
1: Rossi. These are wines.
0: Ooh, you These got it. Wines.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Boone's Farm. Oh, that's... Barefoot. Mm-hmm. Bartles and James. Yep. Arbor Mist. Yep. Night Train. Mm, not so familiar. Rumchata? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love rumchata. I
1: Ripple uh-huh. and Thunderbird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. These are malt liquors. These are wines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always remember Bartles and James being like the, the classy a wine cooler that people in like the late 80s would drink in a hot tub.
0: Ooh, yes.
1: Yeah. Or a jacuzzi. <laughs> as a, a jacuzzi sounds more, a jacuzzi. more 80s to me.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then then they go to bed in their waterbed. Ooh,
1: uh, I was fascinated by a waterbed, but then hate a waterbed.
0: Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah,
1: it just seems so, it does seem a little bit like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Seems like a special occasion bed. And if mm-hmm. you have one, you have to sleep in it every night. Right. <laughs> From
1: Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries with me, Delta Work. And with me, Kelsey
0: Padgett. Each week I tell Delta the true story behind an infamous or an underrated rivalry with all the dramatic and sometimes petty twists and turns. And then I'll declare the
1: winner, but not every story has a victor. Sometimes it's just about who loses more.
0: Well, so you're correct. These are all wines or spirits, and they are all made by one company. Oh, I didn't know that. Mhm and that company is E and J Gallo Winery. So before we get into things, how do you feel about wine? Do you like wine? Do you hate wine?
1: I'm not a wine drinker whatsoever. My partner likes red wine, but I am not I'm not a wine person although I did have the other day some kind of white cheese that was soaked in red wine. Ooh. And it was so good. It tasted so so good. But I'm not really a wine person although college years it was all about Boone's Farm.
0: Oh, hoo, hoo. yeah, uh-huh. Poon's Farm is one of the the wines they make. Yeah,
1: and I always think of <laughs> when I hear the word gallo, I, I do I do think of wine, but I didn't know hmm. that that was a company that that owns so many, I don't know if you call that a subdivision or what you would call an offshoot of one major company. Was there a term for that?
0: Mm-hmm. I think they're brands. Brands Just brands? Of wine. Okay. Yeah. This one family owns all of these wines and spirits. It's crazy. Have you ever been on like a tour of a winery where they give you the little—
1: sips. No. And you know what? There's so many in our area. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We're situated between like wine country and then further down we have the Temecula wine country. So I should go there. All my friends do it. They love it. Uh, They get on on a bus or you can even Mm -hmm. go horseback riding to do it.
0: What? Yeah. That's wild. I guess that way if you
1: get super lit, you're like, well, I'm on a horse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really driving. that kind of sounds a little dangerous.
1: (laughs) It sounds more dangerous I think. Right? (laughs) Right. Because you're not used to riding a horse. Can you imagine just drunk? Oh, my God. Just drunk on a horse in the mountains. I don't get it, but <laughs> people are doing it.
0: Um, It's a great way to die. Was, you know, on A your, great your, way your to die. <laughs> How did they die? Well, they were drunk on a horse in the mountains, right. you know? Today's rivalry has everything. We've got cheese, bootlegging, murder, suicide. And it's one of those rivalries that is... It's rooted in blood. It's a rivalry between brothers.
1: Oh. Boop, boom, boom! Blood. The the wine represents the blood.
0: Yeah. Getting very uh, church in here. Right. Communion amongst Uh the brothers. So E&J Gallo Winery is a winery that is a family business. It's run by these two brothers. Ernest and Julio, who I keep wanting to call Julio, but they I read something and said, "No, no, it's Julio."
1: Uh-huh.
0: And they are the largest producers of wine in the US. Wow. And this is when originally they started the winery in 1933. Oh and wow. And it's still going strong. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, of course, they weren't always as big. They had to start somewhere. So these brothers, they had these humble beginnings. Their mother and their father were poor Italian immigrants, and they actually died in 1933, tragically, in a murder-suicide that left Ernest and Giulio, at the time they were 24 and 23, so young adults, left them alone to raise their 13-year-old brother. Wow, little baby brother. And that's the same year that these boys, these brothers started a winery just as Prohibition was ending. So a lot happening for them Mm -hmm. in 1933, becoming basically fathers to their little brother and starting this wine business in the midst of this tragedy. And where were they again? Modesto. Oh, Modesto, California. Yes. Here. Okay. Here in California. OK. Um, how far is Modesto from you? Is that is that much farther north? or Not really. Under four hours, maybe. OK. Yeah, not far. All right. Well, you could go check out the, the Gallo wineries. That's so interesting. They're still there today. So the story goes that these two brothers, they only had about $6,000 in startup cash and that they didn't know how to make wine. But they, you know, heard prohibition was coming to an end. And much like with uh, marijuana prohibition coming to the end in a lot of states, you know, people are like, oh, OK, I'm going to start this business. I got to apply for all these different things so that I can have the right forms when prohibition ends so that I can sell right. weed nowadays, wine. And then they are like, okay, well, let's do this. This is going to be a great business for us. Let's go for it. But they didn't know how to make wine. So they go to the library, which I think is just so cute. Yeah. They go to the library and they say, you got anything on winemaking? And they were like, yeah, yeah, here's a pamphlet. Not a book, but a pamphlet. That is so
1: odd because it's not even a family business. They're establishing a family business.
0: Exactly. Okay, so they
1: are going to be the originators of this family. It's not something that's like carried down. Like we have mom's recipes from the old world. None of that.
0: No, we're learning this fresh.
1: In the new world.
0: In the new world, exactly, exactly. So I think it's so wild. They start this based off of a pamphlet. Would you ever do that? Would you start a business based off of like a Wikipedia entry? I don't (laughs) think so.
1: And I I have like, I have some marketable skills outside of what we do here. And Uh like, I've always been like, I should start a business doing this. And I never do because, well, first of all, I don't have the gumption. I don't want to work tirelessly. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just laziness. I just don't, I just don't want to do it.
0: (laughs) Me either. A lot of times in these stories, we tell these like started in a garage type story. Well, this is their, you know, started in a garage type story because they learned to make wine from a pamphlet. And surprisingly, dumb luck, I don't know, they succeeded. And, you know, they owe a lot of that success to their marketing. They marketed wine to populations that other winemakers ignored. And that's the nice way to put it. The other way to put it is that they preyed on poor people by making and selling an addictive product very cheaply.
1: Damn.
0: So that's the two ways to look at it. <laughs> Damn. Anyway, however they did it, today Ernest and Julio's descendants, who run the Gallo Wines Empire, make up the fifth richest family in America. They're worth twelve point four billion dollars. Wow. Whenever a billion comes in, I kind of lose track of what that means. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about $12.4 billion, Delta?
1: Well, I think this is the first time I've ever thought in
0: terms of like billionaire families. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the success. We're here to talk about the rivalry, right? Right. Who could rival these brothers? Well, it's the one person that they never expected. Their baby brother... The brother that they raised, Joe. Isn't that just how life is? You start a business, you raise your baby brother up, and he comes after you. It's always going <laughs> to be your own who do you in. Yeah. So the bulk of this story happens in the late 1980s when Ernest and Julio were in their 70s. So they were pretty old. Joe was in his 60s, and Gallo Wines at the time had estimated sales of a billion dollars a year. Nowadays, they do between 2 and $5 billion a year. Jeez. So... Let's take ourselves to 1986. Top Gun had just come Mm -hmm. out. True Colors on the radio. Walk This Way. Dancing on the ceiling. Ronald Reagan is president. The Challenger disaster happened. And the Chernobyl disaster. Wow. So a good year for movies and songs, but a bad year for
1: Yeah, heavy year. A lot going on, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So 1986, and we're in your neck of the woods. We're in California, Modesto. Mm -hmm. Where were you in 1986? Were you making wine? (laughs) uh, I
1: I wasn't making wine, but I was in school. I was at Central School in Escondido, California. And I remember being in the classroom when the Challenger exploded.
0: Oh, Um, no. mm -hmm.
1: I remember we were watching it. Oh, Um, no. Because all the teachers and all the school, it was such a big deal because of Krista McAuliffe. And uh, how exciting that was. And I remember that TV getting shut off immediately and, like, taken out of the classroom.
0: What a terrible, terrible tragedy. Well, (laughs) pivot. Uh, (laughs) Just have a glass of wine. You're fine. Just have a glass of wine and forget about it. Let's talk about these wine, guys. Well, so that's 1986. Yeah. And baby brother Joe, he grew up and he did not join in the wine business of his older brothers because he was just a little baby when they were reading their pamphlet. I mean, he was like 13, but you know. And uh, he actually went into business making a different kind of drink. He became a cattle farmer on a dairy farm. So he made milk, which he would then age to make cheese, Mm. which is kind of interesting because they were making grapes that they would age to make wine. Similar, but different outcomes. I like cheese more than I like wine.
1: I just love cheese. So, I mean, I'll go to a wine tasting, but I'll probably just have a bottle of water and... Eat up all the cheese.
0: Uh, I love stinky, stinky cheese. How do you feel about stinky cheese? Love it. Love it. Stilton. I like uh, blue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah, I love it all. mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what what Joe's taste is in cheese, but I know the kind of cheese he makes, and it's not that kind of cheese. It's grocery store cheese. It's cheddar. It's pepper jack. It's mozzarella, string cheese. Love that too. Right? It's your staple cheeses. And this cheese company is entirely separate from his brother's wine business, right? Okay. And he had worked for his brother's. They never, like, brought him in as a partner on the business, but he had worked for them. He was their vineyard manager until the mid-60s when they fired him. They fired him because they had some disputes over shares of a company that his ex-wife was involved in and okay. blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, mixing family and business never seems to work out that great. And also, Joe was starting his cattle ranch on the side, and they were like, why don't you just go do that? Get out of here. This is our wine stuff. Go over there. Do your cattle stuff. So okay. they never made him a full partner in the business. He never owned part of Gallo Wines, but what he did own was these cows over here, and he started his own dairy business, and you know became a full-on rancher. He grew his business, and uh, by 1986, he had 25,000 acres mm. uh, where he raised cattle, milked them, made cheese. He also grew grapes, and he would sell the grapes to his brothers for wine. You know they grew grapes as well, but you need a lot of grapes if you're making. So much wine. (laughs) His cheese was being carried in local grocery stores in California. You know, nothing compared to the size of the Gallo wine empire. But his business was doing really well. The Gallo wine empire at this moment, this is the late 80s. This is when the Bartles and James was really popular. So they were Mm -hmm. known for, you know, screw top wines and kind of. Quote unquote bad wine. Yeah. But it's like very drinkable stuff.
1: The wine coolers were such a big thing. So you would have pina colada. Yes. There was one called Peach Creek, I think. Ooh. And there would be all those flavors, like Island Fuzz or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like,
0: Mm -hmm. these aren't
1: real. (laughs) These are like, these are like Capri Sun wines. Yes. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh.
0: So, you know, the Gallow wine business was doing like its best sells on that kind of stuff. So Joe, he was, you know, doing his farming and stuff. He built this new cheese making plant on his property. And he was like, everybody come out to the opening of the cheese plant. He invited like 100 guests. He invited his brothers and his brother Ernest arrived by helicopter. (laughs) Oh, fa la la. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And he was late, I think.
1: (laughs) They're in the same area, right? Like Oh, yeah, they are. They are. Oh, OK. The helicopter was for sure, <laughs> for sure, just to brag. Right. A flex. Get out of here with that.
0: <laughs> so anyway, he's got like 100 people at this party. They've got this huge 40-pound block of cheddar that, you know, Joe had made. And, of course, they're all drinking gallo wines. And Joe took Ernest on a tour, like, look, big brother, look how good I'm doing. Look at this. We've invented this thing where... Because we have cows on the property, we just put all the milk in a tunnel and it comes over to where we're making the cheese. And most cheese factories don't have the cows near them, so you have to pay for the transport costs. Right. Anyway, I like the concept of a milk tunnel. I like the concept
1: of a 40-pound block of cheese.
0: Yes, I also like that. I
1: love that. (laughs) I don't even care what kind it is. Just 40 pounds of cheese. Let's do it.
0: Well, anyway, so Ernest is like, great, cool cheese factory, Joe. I love it. And then (laughs) he sees Joe's packaging. For the cheese. On these giant chunks of cheese, it says, Joseph Gallo Farms. Oh, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think that Ernest has a good reason to be upset here?
1: Well, I mean, that, that that's their branding, and they I don't think they want any confusion, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Now,
0: Ernest is like, yo, you got the Gallo name on there. Everybody's going to think of the wine company. We're not connected. And Joe's like, yeah, but it's my name.
1: That's it just is. my name. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to put it on there. And plus, we're not selling directly to consumers. We're selling wholesale. Right. So, you know, people at the back of the deli will see this, but not the consumer who comes in to buy a small block of cheese. And Ernest is like, OK, OK, as long as it's not in the grocery aisle on the little package, you know, right next to the Gallo wines. <laughs> and then this thing happens. Apparently he had a plane fly overhead with like a banner uh-huh. that was supposed to say, good luck, Joseph Gallo cheese. But the Joseph part got cut off. And so it just said, good luck, gallo cheese. Okay. And Ernest was like... How dare you? What? <laughs> Look at this. What are, you, what are you doing, Joe? Joe was like, don't worry about it. At least according to Ernest, that's how don't it was. Don't worry Joe, about it. You know, it, there's more than just like brand confusion. Ernest was like afraid that... You know, he doesn't have any control over that cheese factory. Uh So if the product is bad, then that's going to reflect poorly on him and he has no way to change that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then there was this news report that came out after the big party that Joe had. And this is, I'm going to try to be a news reporter lady. (laughs) Gallo, already known as the largest winemaker, may soon be a big name in the cheese business. Wine and cheese, a popular combination. The Gello wine folks may think so as they open their own cheese factory. Why not? Wine and cheese go hand in hand. So the local news reporter got confused and did not fact check what she was doing. And Ernest saw this and he was like, see, see what I'm saying? They're already confusing us and this is not okay." What do you think?
1: Listen, there's Malibu Barbie. There's mm-hmm. a perfume called Malibu Musk, and there's a mm-hmm. car called a Chevy Malibu. And nobody confuses any of those things. However, these are national, international things, right? At that True. time, everything's happening sort of in Modesto. I get the idea, but I mean, it is a little bit shitty to say some to someone, like, I know you're doing really good, but you need to create a new name because that that's not your name.
0: Well, why? I mean, that's your name. Right. Right. I mean, the wine, the wine was nationwide for right. sure, but the cheese was local. You're right. I mean, I
1: already, you know, on the side of the cheese, because it's like, this is my name. You can't tell me to not have my name. Right. Even with the banner in the sky, it's like, so what? Like, that's still not saying anything about your winery. Like- that is my name.
0: Yeah. And it's for a private party. It was not to right. support the business. It was just for us, you know. Ernest, he said, like, I want the Gallo name to be to wine as Kleenex is to tissues. I think that's, you know, kind of a reach there. We're not going to call wine, oh, give me some Gallo instead of give me wine. Right, right. Because people do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But when we first started talking about this, you said, you're like, oh, Gallo. Yeah, I know that as something connected to wine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's close to that. But anyway, he's saying, Joe, don't get in the way of me becoming Kleenex. Um, your cheese is not part of my plan. And I am going to make sure that you don't ruin the Gallo name. Mm-hmm. We're on cheese's side right now. We're on Joe oh, with his cheese. Oh, for sure. 100%. I'm with you. But I like the
1: underdog always. Like, I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm always in favor of that.
0: Well, just you wait. Ernest and Julio, they sue Joe to stop him from using the Gallo name. And Joe's like... It's my name. I can use my name. Come on, right. guys. And, you know, they're not very nice when they're suing. I mean, not everybody is nice when they sue somebody. Mm-hmm. Th- they could have done it, like, sweetly, I think. But they, like, made mean attacks. Sweetly. <laughs> sue me, sweetly. Just please stop using the name. Right. But instead they were like, your cheese is bad. It's bad quality. And it oh. might have bad health effects. And that's not very nice. No, that's those weird
1: ad hominem attacks. Like, your yes. mom's fat Mm mm-hmm okay what does that have to do with this
0: argument we're having
1: argument is getting weaker and weaker by every statement yeah yeah
0: right so it seems like this case is going to be contentious between these family members but still like a straightforward trademark case in the sense of can you use the name or not until joe's lawyers do some digging and they find out something that could upend the entire gallo empire and so we'll let you know about that after the break Okay, so Joe's lawyers go deep digging into the family history, and what do they find out? That Ernest and Julio's story about pulling themselves up by the bootstraps, being self-made, rags to riches, that narrative where they went to to the library and read a pamphlet, that story is all a lie.
1: Oh, what happened? What do you mean?
0: So here is the real story. Ernest, Giulio, and Joe's father, Joseph Gallo Sr., who I'm going to call Papa Gallo so we can differentiate him from Joe. <laughs> right. Papa Gallo and the mother of these three were poor Italian immigrants, like Ernest and Giulio had said, but they were deeply involved in the wine industry. Stop it. They, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This takes away all the fun. Doesn't the truth always take away all the thoughts? Yes.
1: The pamphlet idea was bullshit anyway to begin with. That did seem a little right. sketch. Who was right. handing out pamphlets about how to make wine? Anyway.
0: <laughs> the mother's family had grown grapes and produced wine. The father knew how to do it. The father was doing it as his job when Prohibition hit. So he he had like a small winery. And when Prohibition hit, he was like, OK, I can't make the wine anymore. But what you could do is that you could grow grapes for wine and then sell them to individual households. And in your own household, you could make wine. Okay. But you cannot buy wine from anybody. Uh-huh. And these were the rules of Prohibition.
1: I want to go into this idea that they they said, well, we didn't have any idea how to make wine. It's so confusing. And then all of a sudden they have mm-hmm. this empire because they're like, we just, you know, we just decided to shoot our shot. And like, here we are. That sounds like me going to my family's Thanksgiving events and mm-hmm. buying sweet potatoes that are already made at a, from a restaurant and then coming home and garnishing them slightly and being like, and everyone <laughs> falling in love. And me saying like, I don't know. I just, you, I just tried. I just, you know, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> no, I bought them and sprinkled some allspice on the top. Get out of here. I mean, I do it all the time. I, I tell people, listen, there's a there's a, a celebrity chef called Sandra Lee that has a show called Semi-Homemade. And she uh-huh. straight up tells you, go buy half the ingredients already done and then assemble them. And you technically yes. did make it. And I don't think it's cheating. I think it's fine. But, um, you know. Yeah. That's what they did and built their <laughs> empire. They already knew. They already knew. Liars.
0: Liars. Yes. Why are they lying about this? Why, what the hell? <laughs> Why is Marketing. This okay, so, so let me tell you, Papa Gallo, their dad, was a bootlegger as mm-hmm. well as selling legal grapes. So that means he was still making wine during prohibition. Right. And he had his kids making that wine with him. So when Julio and Ernest are nine and ten years old, they're out there doing all the stuff because by the way papagallo was a real shitty guy he was real abusive oh and he would make ernest and julio work the the vineyard he would stand up at the top of this like water tower and just shout at them and tell them what to do so they're out there like doing all of the parts of running a wine business mm-hmm. he'd whip them with a belt if they did anything to upset him wow and once they became teens he had them like working and being like salesmen for the business like they were involved with the whole thing. And it's a sad situation. It's like, you know, definitely abusive, but for them to be like, "We got a pamphlet at the library." Right. Is such a lie.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so, why are they lying about this? All right, Joe Jr., right? The the younger brother, mm-hmm. about 10 years younger. He got a lot better treatment from the parents. He was never beat. He didn't have to work all the time. I feel like this one thing is like a good anecdote to show this. So Ernest and Julio, when they're 10 years old, they were plowing the fields with like a heavy metal plow behind a mule. And that's their like sort of interaction with God's creatures. Whereas baby Joe, when he's 10 years old, Papa Gallo, the dad, buys him a pony from the state fair. Oh wow! That he gets to ride for fun. Why this difference? <laughs> what
1: what is it? Was is, is he pretty and the others ugly or something?
0: I think it has to do with the time. I think that the, in the ten years that the family had gotten more money, and so they didn't have to have him work. Mm-hmm. And maybe the father had softened a little and was less abusive. Whatever the reason for that, there was definitely a resentment from the older boys towards Joe. Right. So. Papa Gallo making wine, making his boys make the wine with him, right? When the stock market crashed in 1929, he ran out of buyers for his grapes. Nobody wanted to buy the grapes. They're like, we can't afford to make wine at home. You keep your grapes. That's a luxury item. So he's got to do something with it. He buys these 32,000 gallon tanks and puts them underground uh, and starts secretly and illegally fermenting wine in the ground. So prior to that, he'd been doing a little bootlegging here or there. But mm-hmm. now he's, like, got a full-on winery system under the ground. <laughs> full-on. I was trying to get my mind around how much wine that is. It's way more wine than the water you would have in, like, a backyard pool.
1: Yeah, because um, I'm trying to think of, like, these tanks and how big they were and, like, how how
0: far you'd have to dig. Yeah. Yeah. God. It was a lot. It was a lot. I'd, I'd love to swim around and take a wine I uh, I don't know. How would you Red kill or white? <laughs> oh, I think red
1: for sure. Uh-huh. Like Madame Bathory.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So here they are with so much wine underground. And tragedy strikes the family. 1933. Ernest is 24. Julio is 23. And the little brother is 13. Julio comes to pick up Joe to come stay with him for a little bit of his summer vacation. You know, he's out of the house now and he's like, hey, I'll take Joe to to come around for a little bit. And his parents are acting kind of weird. The last thing that the mom said to Julio was, I don't care what happens to me. All I want is for you boys to work together and get along.
1: Oh, this is cryptic.
0: Right? Ominous. Uh Uh-huh. The next day, one of the farmhands finds Papa Gallo and his wife dead. It's ruled a murder-suicide, but the details of their death were pretty suspicious, which I feel like takes us into true crime territory. Maybe you can um, look at the evidence with me. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so here's one thing. In the mailbox was a check that was being sent out, and it was to the IRS. And so they were paying their taxes that Mm -hmm. day. And I feel like if you're going to do a murder-suicide you would not put a check in the mail.
1: Right. That seems weird.
0: The dogs were both shot before the murders. Okay. Which could point to somebody not wanting to raise the alarm Mm -hmm. that there was like a stranger on the farm. There was no suicide letter. And when Ernest was asked about it, Ernest said, well, my dad had recently possibly had some financial reversals, which everybody at this time was having a hard time economically, right? This is right after the crash. But when the bank accounts were looked into, he had quite a bit of money. His businesses were doing okay. So did
1: Ernest do it or did Julio do it?
0: Julio was there picking up the brother, right, the day before. Right. So rumors swirled around that maybe it was done by the mob. Maybe the mafia had a hand in this because Papagallo had done bootlegging, which had involved some shady characters, and his brother had had a lot of business associates who <laughs> were were arrested for bootlegging. Right. And maybe he crossed them in some way. Maybe he sold in the wrong territory, or maybe he, you know, turned state's witness and, like, gave information on some of the Mafia guys. But as you point to, the other rumors swirled, maybe it was the brothers. Yeah, Julio picking up Joe that day is weird timing. It is weird. Ernest had been applying to start a winery. Post-prohibition, And he'd been turned down by the government because he did not own a vineyard. Mm. But his father owns a vineyard.
1: Yeah, and they already don't like their dad. They already have that bad blood. And oftentimes anybody who was complicit in this or didn't say anything or didn't do anything is also considered like the aggressor in a way, the silent aggressor. And they probably held a lot of animosity towards their mother and felt like maybe she was just sort of like collateral damage and getting rid of dad. Ooh. You know, like you didn't do anything about it anyway. You let him just stand there and scream at us. Mm
0: -hmm. You didn't Mm -hmm. give a shit.
1: So why do we give a shit about you?
0: Mm. I don't know.
1: I could be totally wrong.
0: She twice uh, filed for divorce, but then rescinded those filings. Yeah, I mean, he was a terrible, terrible man. Like, I feel like it's kind of likely that he did do this crime because he was very abusive. And he, in fact, had abused his wife when she was pregnant.
1: Mm -hmm. Or maybe that 13-year-old boy went crazy.
0: Maybe, maybe it was, well, no, Joe was already gone, right? The next day.
1: Oh, that's true. He
0: was gone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it was
1: all three of them
0: did it together. So we can't know what happened but I thought it would be interesting to to look at the different little ways and
1: Yeah. I love theories. I love all the theories in anything.
0: Well, from that day forward the family pretty much never talked about these events. They called it the troubles or the accident.
1: The troubles.
0: Mhm. That sounds
1: like rich people right there. <laughs> yes. Oh, the trouble. You remember the troubles.
0: because mm-hmm. it cleans we don't it speak up, of right? The
1: yeah,
0: yeah, it cleans it up. I want to start that. Right, because the accident that. points to something happening, but the troubles is like right. could be anything.
1: I like cle- I like the way that cleans things up. I'm going to start using that. The troubles.
0: Mm-hmm. We don't we don't speak of the troubles, okay? Mm-hmm. The troubles are behind us.
1: The rumblings. <laughs> there were rumblings. That's like that cleans up <laughs> gossip. Yes.
0: I love that. Okay, so why am I telling you all of this? Why do Joe's lawyers care about all this backstory? Ernest and Julio inherited the winery. And then they launched E&J Gallo Winery by continuing that family business. Wow. So if you flash forward in time to 1986, 53 years later, Joe's lawyers uncover all of this and they're like, you don't want him to use his own name on his own cheese. But right. you have cheated him out of a third of his inheritance. Yeah, Because yeah. this business already existed before you, quote unquote, read a pamphlet and started a business.
1: Wow.
0: Isn't that shady?
1: That is shady boots. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: So Joe's lawyers are like, he's entitled to a third of his father's property, a third of that winery, and you took that winery and you've made it into this Gallo empire.
1: Would he then be allowed to have a third of everything that came after it?
0: Well, that's the question. Should he get a third of this billion dollar business or should he get a third of what his father had when Mm, he
1: died? I kind of feel like he should get a third of everything because, you know, especially with this enacting this idea that, like, we don't want you to use our name. Although he probably did continue to still use the name Gallo, I would imagine, in his packaging or at least the packaging that he sent to the grocery stores. Right. Well, not yet. At
0: this time, the court case is not finalized.
1: Okay. Okay. So we don't know if he gets to use this name. OK, I'm not jumping forward. Okay,
0: (laughs) but yeah. So, what do you think? Do you think he should get the third of the empire, or a third of
1: a third of it? Because he, they, they robbed him of his chance of doing that. Yeah. So at least that
0: he could have been involved. So Joe at first is like, "This is crazy. This I cannot believe that they would do this. Let me try to privately resolve this with them so that this doesn't become public." And of course, that doesn't work out. That's not gonna work. That's not going to work. They offer Joe $20 million and a licensing deal. So they're like, you can license the trademark gallo from us for your cheese and we'll give you $20 million. Oh, $20 million cute-ish. sounds like a lot. That's
1: kind of cute, I think. Yeah,
0: it could have worked. It could have worked. But then Ernest calls it off.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> He's like, he no, want an, you
1: get nothing. You're not getting a penny. <laughs>
0: I'm not getting a penny, and Joe's like, "Okay, well, then I'm gonna sue you for what I am owed—one third of this empire. I'm gonna sue for twenty million dollars and just the ability to use my name because it's my name. Come on." So, does Joe walk away with it all? Does he win his suit? Well, we'll find out after the break. So they go to court. Ernest and Julio's lawyers again are just so mean about the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Your They're cheese is rotten. Yes. They say it's soddy and rodent infested. Oh, wow. And uh, Joe's lawyers on the other side say, well, gala wines are cheaper wines used by winos, which I don't think is a term we say anymore. But that is what they said in court. We don't we don't use that term anymore. I don't know. It seems like one we wouldn't use.
1: (laughs) It does because it seems like. You're disgusting. Like, it, it mm-hmm. seems a little degrading. It does. It seems like quite it's the insult.
0: Quite the insult. It's very disrespectful of people who are suffering from addiction problems. Yes.
1: Right. It does. Well, it also, like, like when people say, like, tr- try to use the term, like, bum or hobo mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, why don't you just say boxcar Willie? Like, why don't you just, like, <laughs> Judy
0: Garland Tramp? Like, that's so, come on. So, yeah, they... Both sides were attacking each other, saying your cheese is bad, and the other people being like, "You make crappy wine." Oh, come on. The judge is like, "Okay, I gotta sort this out. I gotta figure out is he is he owed one third of the empire? Or is he owed one third of the assets?" Ugh. uh and I was thinking about this is like if somebody stole like a painting, mm-hmm. like say the Mona Lisa, right. and they had it for like ten years and it appreciated in value. When they gave it back, would they get that? difference would they be like okay the museum you can have it but you can have it at the price like you can have the value of it when i stole it right (laughs) huh
1: i don't know about maybe
0: but if you stole yeah i guess right because these guys stole this thing and of course yes they did make it into more money right it appreciated in value but they stole it but if
1: the painting is being returned
0: right anyway it's a flawed metaphor but what i'm trying to say (laughs) is i can see both sides here
1: (laughs) I, i yeah i can
0: Yeah. But like, you're, you're strongly for Joe. You say Yeah, Joe needs he needs money. that
1: money. Because I yeah. do feel like when you lie to somebody, you, you don't tell them like, hey, actually, you got a part of this. He could have had, you know, an executive decision as a third member. Like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe let's do cheese and wine. Yes. Even if he didn't know he wanted to do cheese. They could have had that empire all along of both. They could right? Have. They could have been the original. I don't know if it's everywhere, yeah. but, you know, Mendocino Farms. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. a California thing or not, but it's like fine wine fine foods, fine cheeses, or William sonoma or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it could have been the ori- original of all of that, and all three of them could have been double as powerful as right. E and J.
0: I don't know. But instead, they're suing each other Right. It instead of working it out together. So a judge makes a decision and says, Sorry, Joe, you can't prove that they intentionally tried to bamboozle you out of this money. So you do not get that third... Of a stake in the empire. Does it get anything? Well, they're like, you probably should have gotten the third of what your father owned when he died, right? Okay. But it turns out when you were 21 years old, Joe, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, (laughs) your brothers did give you some money. And that would have been equal to your inheritance, the 20,000 they gave you.
1: Stop it. How is that anything?
0: Right? And Joe's like, I don't remember that. That's a (laughs) pittance. Yeah, compared to the billions.
1: Wow. And can you imagine the hassle of going to court for all this and finding out, like, you are Boo Boo the Fool?
0: Yes.
1: You're not even getting enough money to, like, cover your court costs, probably. No,
0: no. Oh,
1: that is so gross. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And the trademark case, can he put his own name on his own cheese? The judge said, "Okay, on the wholesale cheese, on the big box that goes to the distributor, who then repackages it for smaller retail, sure. But for the retail cheese, if you're selling cheese in a small package directly to a consumer, your name can be on it, but it has to be in very small font, less than 12 point.
1: Wow. Why?
0: (laughs) Why is he so siding
1: with them and not, not with Joe?
0: I don't know exactly why he's siding with them. I could make some
1: some suppositions
0: that might get us in trouble.
1: Because I'm not there
0: yet. The Gallo family, at this point, 86 from 33, has 50 years. They have run Modesto. Every building has their name on it. And they are well known for not necessarily bribing politicians, but... Mm -hmm. Supplying money to politicians and then getting favorable tax cuts for themselves. Right. Making things comfortable. Yeah. There was even like there was a bill that I think was called like the Gallo tax cut, like informally. I think that in this case they should have been like, listen, let's move to a different county or something because the Modesto judge, the the judges of this area, even, even if it went up to like a district judge, like it's hard to look at that and be like. That's going to be fair because of the Gallo name. Yeah. Our rivalries have have featured people
1: requesting for changes of venues and changes of judges. And there's so many court cases involved in rivalries. It's like maybe maybe they needed a change of venue.
0: Right. Maybe Joe should have asked for that. So he could put his name on the cheese, but it's going to be tiny. He could not use his name in any published or radio or TV ads. Jesus So he can't publicize his teas. He can't advertise it. How about they just say,
1: you know what, go look for a new pamphlet for yourself. You need to get out of this industry. You need to get, change of name, change of name. Change of state too. Yeah. Just go to New York and start a new kind of Change it all. Change your costume. Change it around.
0: (laughs) All of it. Exactly. All right. So during and after the lawsuit, this was really hard on Joe. I mean, he found out that his, His brothers who raised him had been perpetuating a lie to steal money from him, right?
1: I think that 100%.
0: He was very emotionally drained by this. He actually suffered a series of mini strokes during the court case. I'm having mini strokes right
1: now. I I am. (laughs) Because I just think it's like so blatant, but...
0: Yeah, it feels very blatant. Ernest and Julio, they continue to run Gallo Wines. Julio, the softer of the two brothers, I didn't really go into their personalities much, but Julio was, like, sadder about all of this than Ernest was. And Ernest was really the, like, the bullhead of, like, we're going to sue our brother, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Julio, he died four years after the court case. Well, anyway, after Julio's death, Ernest was like, I got to make a change. Let me let me see if I can talk to Joe because they hadn't talked since the court case. And so he, like, asked Joe's wife if he could see Joe. And Joe was like, no, no. It's too hard. It's too hard. And, you know, Joe is like disabled at the time, too. So I think that like he felt that it would emotionally stress him out more than he needed. Joe and Ernest, they both die in 2007, one month apart from each other. Yeah, not that long ago, too. Yeah, not that long ago. No. Yeah. Both of their businesses are carried on by their kids and their kids' kids. Joseph Gallo Farms is still going on. They put on their, their label now is like Joseph Farms. So, but they're still called Joseph Gallo Farms.
1: Are you serious? I know that. I know what that is. You know Joseph yes? Farms? Yes. You, you we, eat that in, cheese. In all of the grocery stores here, you can buy Joseph Far- I had no idea. I promise you. I'm not even overreacting. <laughs> I'm just excited because no, that is it. a big, we buy that.
0: Well, yeah. Look at the very bottom of the label. You'll see in smaller than 12 point font.
1: I'm going to look. We will buy little like eight ounce blocks of like mild cheddar or whatever. Yeah. You know, when we when we make macaroni and cheese, we like like at at Thanksgiving or whatever, we like to have like several uh-huh. kinds of cheese that go into it. And I always know that the mild cheddar block is always the Joseph Farm.
0: That's incredible. I love that.
1: How crazy. Mm-hmm. That's Joseph Farm. How do you know all this stuff all the time? You know oh, everything.
0: I read it. <laughs> Teach I me it how to book. read.
1: <laughs> okay. That's so fascinating to me. These rivalries exist in our normal lives without even yes. realizing. And they're brands that we buy and consume yes. and and right. support and champion sometimes. Yeah.
0: You could have on the same night bought Joseph yes. Farms Cheddar and Bartles and James and not realize, like, these guys are fighting. <music> All right. So... In the end, they all died. But who wins this rivalry?
1: I mean, financially, of course, the brothers win. Right, right. The older the, brothers. The, the Yeah, the older brothers win, of course. They're both household names, at least here in California, for sure. I mean, obviously, yeah. nationally, the the wine and the spirits company itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I now I'm flipped completely. Like, I'm turned over when I hear of Joseph Farms because I'm like, <laughs> Wait a minute, I actually, I don't buy anything E&J, but I do buy Joseph Farms. Yeah. So yeah. that's always been a brand in in the forefront of my mind, at least in my refrigerator right now.
0: Right, Joseph Farms, it's yeah. right there.
1: Crazy, so yeah. That's incredible. He does lose in the sense that like... He really got shit on the whole way and like... <laughs> he
0: really did, poor guy.
1: All the mini strokes.
0: I mean, he did get a pony instead of having to work in the farm fields with a mule. True.
1: He did get a pony at one point, but I mean, damn. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries, hosted by me, Delta Work.
0: And me, Kelsey Paget. I also produce the show. Gabriella Santana is our associate producer. Caitlin Pierce and Megan Dietry are our editors. Tiffany Walker is our managing producer and editor. Our production coordinators are Sasonia Davenport and Tamika Balance-Kolosny. Our theme music is by Allison Layton Brown. John Scott is our engineer. Our executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Caitlin Pierce, and Megan Dietry. TJ Raphael was our development producer.